Brian. Brian, I'm 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 really scared. I like I wanna go home. Scared of what? Ghosts? They say this place is haunted. They just put the haunted label on so teenagers don't trespass. I don't care. I'm really scared. Come on, there's nothing scary here. Nothing at all. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, I'm your host, Ryan, and this is my co-host, Brendan. Hello, I'm your host, Brendan, and this is my co-host, Ryan, and this is the first recorded episode of the podcast. Um, as you can see, we're in our studio. Uh, oh, recorded. Oh, jeez. I was wondering what you're saying. I was like, we've filmed plenty of episodes. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, huh. I should have been more specific. Filmed episode. No, yeah, I'm the host. <laughs> Yeah, no, we've been through this. I mean, it's very clear in the last episode, you can hear Ryan say, I'm the co-host. If you listen to the end, he very clearly says, I'm the co-host. That was um, edited out of context, and I would never say such words because they're not true. I am the face of the operation, but Brendan, you do the way more important job. You're the tech tech guy. Tech, you- editor, producer, um co-writer yeah without you the whole thing falls apart but i'm, I'm the face of the organization i mean we're both the face now considering we're both on camera well you know what i mean mm, true i'm the i'm the sales guy i'm the i'm, I'm like hitler i'm the one who talks at the nazi party i uh, realize I'm, i just I'm compared goebbels. myself to hitler i'm gonna if you're a hitler i'm goebbels okay i'll take that yeah fair. um not in regards to the things they did in no terms of, no but in terms of their showmanship yeah then yeah Anyway, today's episode is about uh, horror. On Ooky me. spooky. Ooky spooky, Ryan. Ooky spooky. I'll give you six euro to never say those words again. Um, I say ooky spooky on a daily basis. Well, then I envy the people who live with you on a daily basis. Your poor mother. Uh, who is um, a lovely woman, by the way. Yeah, she's really nice. Um, Shout out to my mom. Our main listener. <laughs> <laughs> Number one fan. My mom and your sister. I, I don't even know if my sister listens to every episode. I she does. Like two. I can track like on SoundCloud who listens to the episodes, so her profile comes up. You say any more than my sister will slap you. <laughs> All I said was that she listens to the podcast. That's like a positive thing. Be careful. Um, so yeah, today's topic is on horror movies, um, and uh, um, Brendan. Yes. Going to ask you a question. Actually, no. I'm going to ask you to ask me a question. Fair. Ask me what makes effective horror movies. What makes movies scary? Ask me that. Come on, dare you. you know, Ryan, I really... One of the questions I have down here to ask you is... Um, what makes movies scary? Hmm. 
How serendipitous I have this written down. <laughs> wow, it seems like you were prepared for this. Well, um, there's a few things I've written down here as to what makes me scary. Because um, I was doing some research on, on the topic. Um, a few things came up. Um, there, was a, there was a video I said I was watching about the, the movie Lights Out. Oh, have you seen Lights Out? No. The creature that can only be attacking in the dark when you turn the lights on. That's like, that's like an independent film, isn't it? No, it was originally a four-minute short movie on YouTube. Yeah, but then the creators, uh, well, I don't know, someone liked it enough to pick it up to make it into an hour and a half movie, which I hated. Um, but the four-minute short movie actually feels horror more effectively um, for a few reasons. Firstly, the length um, is extended with the one scene in particular um, with just the woman. There's this in the movie. It's a woman in a warehouse. Um, switching on and off the lights is the creature there, but then in the short movie, it's her in her own home in a corridor, switching on and off. So the length, um, with each, with you know, with each added second onto the scene, it feels more suspense, which just makes the creature seem more terrifying. And just, but then, you know, the, the longer you keep a scene going, it creates a pattern. Hmm. Then when that breaks, the pattern changes so drastically. That's a, that's a good effect for the scare. Um, it works way better in the short film there. Yeah, um, the Location, I think, is a big thing as well because in the movie it's just in a random factory, so you don't really feel any sense of danger. It's like, yeah, just around a factory, around a woman, around a factory, I don't care. In the short movie, it's her own home, so it's like, you know, it's a person's safe space. Yeah. And like invading someone's, you know, home is a well, terrifying thing. Well, factories are dangerous anyway. Like, you know, that's why we have like um, manual handling training and whatnot. No, know? I mean, in terms of supernatural aspects. No, it just invasion of your safe space you know if a stranger or a creature enters your home it's way scarier than you sitting in a factory and a stranger comes in and attacks you yeah it's it's i suppose yeah and then also just that there's a, in the short movie as well there's a point of view shot from the creature's perspective um, which makes it seem like predatorial and even more scary where you don't get the point of view shot in the in, in, the, in the big hollywood movie so it's like meh, that's, that's always a risky one though and i feel like you only see those type of like um you see it a lot in Doctor Who. Yeah, you see it in Doctor Who, but you also see it a lot in slasher movies. You used, used to see it a lot in Doctor Who. They stopped doing point of view shots. They used to do point But point slasher point. movies, I feel like, always have pop shots. Well, I I think they work effectively. Yeah, yeah, no. Especially if, like, if you want to display a character as a complex character rather than, like, a, uh, a one-dimensional villain, you can use pop shots to add perspective. You know what I mean? Exactly. What do you think makes a fifty four? Um I think uh sound plays a huge part in heart. Um like I've read this spiel before. <laughs> yeah, from Leon Conway. Uh yeah, like like we like we learned in film sound. It's it's sound can surpass a barrier that visuals can't in the fact that uh it can draw you in and out of a scene, it can um it can show you something that's not there in a sense that it can speak it uh it can act as a form of dialogue uh that that that, that the visuals don't have yeah you know what i mean and it creates another dimension yeah. as well like it creates a like in like Third in this dimension like in like in huckle <laughs> when it was the first movie to have oh, full like full proper surround uh was it like four four or something yeah around that yeah yeah and um Doing stuff like that can like. It's fine glass, right? Yeah, it's really there. Do you whiskey? Yeah, I drink whiskey out of it a lot. <laughs> I'm mean, not a lot, uh, like enough, and enough that it's not a problem. 
But um, but yeah, sound, huh? I love thing. I love film sound. Sounds a thing. Makes noises. So I think uh, like sound. Right now. Vibration of the vocal cords. Yeah, Ryan's Ryan's voice is higher than mine, so his vibration is higher and louder. But because if I speak in a lower tone, the vibrations are are less. So even though it may be the same volume, the vibration is less, so it's picked up less. Good for you. You know, I think one thing is um, with, with filmmakers trying to make horror movies, you need to be kind of creative with what you're doing. Um, like it follows is a good example. Um, it yeah it uses it's a really create they use a really creative um, their use of space and composition. That's uh, quite creative. They used a lot of defocus photography um, to you know because like, have you seen it follows? I saw a bit of it, not the whole thing. You should see the whole thing. Whole thing's brilliant. Um, you know, if anyone hasn't seen it, follow. It's about like it's basically a um, uh, sexually transmitted monster, uh, in a sense. But it's a creature that like can take the form of anyone or any or anyone and just like start following you. And the thing is that like the movie predominantly uses um, um, deep, deep deep focus, so you can see into the background quite clearly, uh, and it you know it gives a sense of like suspense because mm. you don't know like what's in the background. It's like it's just random shots, like you see throughout the movie in the background there's just people walking and you just get that sense of fear it's like that could be the creature um what's the what's the name of that movie um it falls I, i'm just no 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 <laughs> what's the name of the one where they move into a house and he finds a tape in the attic um the ring no uh it begins with s and he's got that really creepy guy that stands in the bushes and watches them it, it's a bit of a slasher uh i can't remember what it's called scream no um Oh, it, was, it was really good. It's a really good horror film. What happens in it? Basically, they move into this house and they go into the attic and they find this old box of things and in the box of things is a little tape. And Chucky. No. And uh, in in the tape, he watches it and then he sees it. This like really creepy figure. It's Are you like, sure that's not the ring? It's not the ring. Uh, and then the the creature starts trying to kill him and stuff. It's it's really, sounds like the ring. It's not the ring. I know the ring. I know how the ring works. It's uh, oh, what's it called? I can't remember. I might go look it up in a second. Well, I can't remember. I wonder. I thought you might know because you're a horror film fanatic. No, I'm a film fanatic in general. Mm-hmm. And the tricky thing with that is because I'm such a broad film fanatic there's little things that slip by me from time to time mm. do you know how hard it is to keep up with what i do on a daily basis the amount of new films that come out day by day it's impossible to keep up with it all but surely um, you don't watch a lot of independent films because if you did you'd, really, <laughs> you'd just never leave your room i watch what i can when i can where i can um but no anyway uh, effective horror so yeah, like sound is a big thing. Acting is, I think, one of the most important. Like more than any other movie, I think. If you, you know, I think good acting is vital for uh, effective horror. Yeah, a good example of good and bad acting within a film is um, Pet Cemetery. Both or, examples. Or uh, was it Her- Hereditary? No. Hereditary. Hereditary. We're getting to Hereditary. I've got quite a lot of notes on Hereditary. Mm. Um, but I think Pet Pet, Pet Cemetery, both the original eighties movie and the um, remake, do a good job of showing the disparity between. Um, decent acting because the 80s movie has horrible acting oh it's downright atrocious mm-hmm. and I hate it so much like Stephen King has said that was his that's his favourite like adaptation like one is the scariest I'm like Stephen really come on the movie's minimal at best it's, it's, it's not the best the remake while it still has its faults the acting in it by John Lithgow and, and Jason 
Clark, I believe his second name is. Uh, so much better. The acting in the scene, in the remake is just phenomenal. But like, I have a few problems with the remake because I saw it because it's only came out recently. You haven't seen um, it. You haven't? No. Well, um, the original book came out in the eighties instead of the movie, so um, I have my six month rule. Anything more than six months, I can spoil it. So basically, one of the kids dies. Um, in the in the original novel and movie, uh, it's the younger kid, um, Gage. In the remake, they change who's like two, three, three, two, three. In the remake, they change it to be the older girl, Ellie. Ellie, is it Ellie? I think it's Ellie. Um, yes, yeah, Ellie. Um, where she's like eight, nine. They change it to her getting killed and brought back because the whole thing pet imagery is it's you bring it to an ancient burial ground and like dead thing comes brought back to life. Um, I, I've read, I've started reading the book. It's, it's decent enough. Um, but the thing is, I think the change works better for the movie. Um, I think the change works better for the movie. Um, because I'm trying to be respectful in your home, I don't want to speak too loud. Bring the, the walls down. It's the extension. Like nobody comes in here. The main house is like a fair bit that way. Fair so. enough. Um, anyway, uh, so the I think the change works better for the uh, remake because like the original movie, since it's Gage, is like a toddler, like killing people. It looks ridiculous. Hmm. Like it's 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 like it's a really bad version of Chucky. But the remake, I think, it works better for the older girl because it, it is slightly more scary. Um, but the acting in that really shows like the difference in quality. So I think acting is a crucial thing for effective horror. And Hereditary, we will get you, but not yet. I'm saving that. I, on, on acting though, like, um, because like horror, horror, I was going to get into this later, but I'll get into it now. You know what? Horror began with uh, German expressionist movies in the like late twenties. No, nah, not even early thirties. No, before that, like the the fifteen. From fifteen, uh, the Golem, I believe. Yeah, nineteen fifteen, the Golem, uh, which is based on the Jewish legend of a clay you say figure. Golem, Golem, Golem. Golem. Yeah, it's the clay figure that kills people. It's not the Simpsons. I know it was in the Simpsons, but it's uh, pronunciation is differently. You say car, I say car. Say car. You say car, probably. Just a car. Yeah, car. Golem, Golem. It's the same word. It's Gollum. Gollum's the fella from Lord of the Rings. No, like, Schmeagol. Like, no, it's corrupted by the that, ring. That, that's G-O-L-L-U-M. Yeah, Gollum. It was like, I say jury, you say jury. Everyone says jury. It's how I enunciate my vowels. Like, I say my vowels differently than how you say your vowels. No, every single person in our course says jury, except you. <laughs> yeah, because I have a different accent to everyone in the course. Yeah, but everyone has different accents to everyone else. But the thing is, you're the only one who mispronounces jury. <laughs> No, I don't mispronounce. People, Raphael pronounces my name Brendan. Like, and and none of the international students can say my fucking name. Hey, hey, hey. Raphael can speak three languages fluently. Four. Leave him alone. Four, see? Yeah. He can speak four languages fluently. Leave the fella alone. He can't say my name. No one who's from, like, Central Europe can say my name. That's because they can speak different languages. Can you? Can I you? can say Raphael's name. Yes, because he was one of the Ninja Turtles. So it's I, easy. <laughs> I can say most Luxembourgish, German, Spanish, French names. Like his his brother's name is Fredrik. Fredrik. There we go. Fredrik. Peculiar brag, but regardless. Anyway, my point is that uh, we have films as early as 1915 that they're German. Like express, the Golem. Like the Golem. Okay, I'll say Golem. Good. Thank you. Um, but I think the best example of early horror is Nosferatu. Nosferatu. Stop fucking beating me to it. I swear to God. Simpsons let me character. let me say what I'm gonna say. Sorry, SpongeBob, SpongeBob yeah. Nosferatu, switching off the lights. Golem's the Simpsons character. Yeah, uh, and Nosferatu is an example. slash episode. Bro, I swear to God, I'll kick you out of my house. Let me say my lines. 
please. Carry on. Nosferatu is a fantastic example of acting in horror because... Camping. Carry on camping. What? No, continue. Because it's a silent film. So all you have is his physical acting. You have the scenography of the mise-en-scene. Like City Lights. Charlie Chaplin. Physical acting. Hmm. Like that, but vampire. Yeah, exactly, but scary. And like, I, I, I don't know. Do you know the actor's name of Nosferatu? Count all that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but basically, the actor, like, it, it, everything is I done. I don't know, City Lights, you it in a certain way, it can be pretty scary. It's all about, like, lost love. Yeah. It's pretty scary. Yeah, we saw City Lights in films down aesthetics. I watched it myself. It's a great film. Keep going. But anyway, Nosferatu is a fantastic example of that because he uses his body. He uses the, the weird contortions that he can do, like in the scene where he comes out of this uh, the, the coffin mm-hmm. and the hands creep around mm-hmm. and his body contorts in such a weird way. Mm-hmm. And this, this physical acting mm-hmm. is better than the majority of, like, acting with your voice. Like, I think if you had put dialogue into Nosferatu, it would have made it such a worse film. Like, yeah, it would have been a masterpiece. No, it wouldn't. It would have been worse. Come on, I wanted to suck it, but... The fact that, the, the fact that there, it's just that, like, string and piano and it builds such tension with that. Ah, good old string. Can't be a good bit of string. Okay. S- strings. Then. You know what I mean? Like the... Yeah, cats, they play with string. I know. The orchestral section called I string. I detail how to try to adopt a cat, you know I looked up in detail. So it was during the exams. I, 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 I I'm going to do this while you talk, you know. I'm going to do this while you talk. Oh, how rude. <laughs> Say that to yourself, friend. Uh, keep going. My po- I will go when I want to go, Ryan. This is being recorded. Yeah, I know. Wait, this? Yeah, we have video footage of how... No, I'll go there. I'm going to keep the high ground here. I have a train to catch, dude. Come on. <laughs> anyway, uh, Nosferatu is a good example of acting. Uh, that, you know what I mean? Brilliant. Would you like a medal? Sorry. You are in my home, Ryan. I know. You were in rural I'm... Wicklow in the mountains, which I know very well. Your point being, this is not a threat. This is not a threat. Even if it was, I wouldn't be concerned. Do you know The Exorcist was the first horror movie to be nominated for any Oscars? I didn't, but I do know that it was made in 1973. Yeah, I knew that. It's actually Slash, you know, Slash from Good and Roses. Hmm. Uh, first name Paul, second name can't remember. Um, it's actually his favorite movie of all time. Um, Do you like Guns N' Roses? I'm a big Guns N' Roses fan, yes. Yeah. I tried to see them live, but their tickets sold out before I could get a chance to. Um, and plus their concerts are going to be quite dangerous. So. <laughs> um, I was saving myself a bother. Anyway, uh, let's slap this here Harmony. It's just yeah, a great movie. Um, I think one important thing for Harmony as well is like build up attention. Like, you know, Hitchcock said it himself. He always gave the example of... Um, and do you believe that the um, in the in the conspiracy theory that the, everybody from The Exorcist uh, died because the movie is cursed? I've heard of it, yes. Um, I don't know if I subscribe to that belief, but Hitchcock. His belief for... Um, First name Alfred. Yes, thank you for that input. I'm sure the people know who Alfred Hitchcock is. His 
belief on uh, building up how to build up tension is instead of like so you have people at a dinner table yeah so instead of them at a dinner table and then like three minutes later a bomb goes off it's kind of boring you do it as you show the bomb at the beginning you show them at the dinner table there's tension there it's like when's the bomb gonna go off but he did literally terrify his actors like he physically and mentally tormented them and he got results so what does that tell you the same with Stanley Kubrick, okay? Those two fellas went to extremes and they got results. And that's the important takeaway from today's episode. Treat people you work with atrociously if it's in the movie business and you can get some great performances. They'll get Oscars, you'll get recognition. Done. Perfect. Another shining example, yeah? It's like you can make six more shinings. You should just treat your crew terribly. <laughs> but don't, because treating people terribly is bad. Um, you know, Ed Gein... Gein, or whoever it's pronounced, I don't really care. Um, he's had three separate horror movies um, based around him. Uh, Psycho. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. And I can't think of the third offhand. I didn't write it down because I thought I'd remember. Oh, my follies. Um, let me see. Oh, if I write down the other two, I can think I can remember. Okay, so yeah, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, Psycho. He's the fellow who, um, you know, um, like, had a, when police invaded his house, he there was like human face, human face turned into masks. There was bowls and lampshades made out of skin. Oh. Um, there was a couple of decapitated heads in the freezer. Um, I thought that was off his rocker. Um, now he allegedly only killed like what twelve people or something, and the rest were just like corpses he dug up. Uh, but even still, fellow was insane. Yeah. But the three, oh, I can't think of the third. Psycho, um, Texas Chainsaw, and oh, I can't think of the third. It's not Halloween, though. No, no. Um, oh, I can't think of the third. But this is a good segue into Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I think. Um, it's one of my favourite horror movies. Uh, right. Not my favourite. Uh, it's one of them. What's um, your favourite? Uh, Raw, but we'll get to that. Um, have you seen Raw? What year is it made? 2016. No. No, it's French. No. No, no we'll get to that. I have a few case studies right now. Um... Uh, like to discuss in terms of horror and how what is effective horror because right. today is just pretty much good horror movies i think saving bad horror movies for halloween would be a good idea mm-hmm. um you know but texas chainsaw massacre came out in 1970 so where was i uh you were talking you were about to go on to uh texas chainsaw massacre, massacre. Yes, it was. came out in 1974 directed by uh tope hooper tope that's tope tope hooper interesting oh. name yeah, that was tough. That's weird. Um, but uh, it's he does it one thing very different to most horror movies in that it's set in the daytime, which I think adds to its effectiveness. There's another one that's um, I said most. I didn't say all. <laughs> Twenty eight, twenty eighteen later is yeah daytime as well. Yeah, hmm. most isn't all. <laughs> true, true. That's semantics. Um, anyway. Um, yeah, so it does what something different that most horror movies don't do, which is that it's uh, set in the daytime, um, which I quite like. Um, and another thing I really love about it is there's no conventional motive or purpose in uh, Leatherface's killings. Because hmm. like the, the the main characters in the movie are quite smart. Hmm. Like they pick up a hitchhiker just because they're kids who are like you know decent, but then the thing is the hitchhiker starts going crazy and they kick a mess right away. So, like, they're playing it smart, but the thing is they sort of, like, um, break down whatever, and they need to just go to a house to find help. So, they're, not, they're, not, they're obviously not expecting a killer to mm. arrive. 
So, like, they have no reason to be suspicious. Um, but then, like, halfway through the movie, Leatherface just comes out of nowhere. Like, there's no build-up. There's, like, there's been no mention of him before. Like, he just comes quite literally out of nowhere with a pump, sudden, and he just kills one of them. Like, bam, smashes in the face with a hammer. Um, and it just, like, it's quite different, because usually with other horror movies, like, there's expectations, there's build-up to the main antagonist of the movie with this. No, nothing. Just comes out of nowhere, boom. Um, and, you know, again, with the day, daylight, daylight used in, like, horror movies, like, this to signify safety. Um, obviously with, uh, like, that can be, um, superseded with, like, zombie movies, because, like, nothing is safe in zombie movies, you yeah, know, sure. in, in that, like, day or night, um, but usually in, like, Slasher movies like this, usually it's the night time, that's the scary time. But I wouldn't really call Texas, like, Texas Chainsaw uh, Massacre a uh, slasher movie. That's more of a psycho slasher. Yeah, it's, I don't know, it's, it's weird, it's different, it's, it's quite, it's, it's subtle, it's like subtly surreal. Um, like, there's a lot of like Soviet montage type imagery going on with it, in, in terms of like juxtaposition. Um, hmm. and it's, 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 it's quite creative filmmaking. Um, I'm just gonna get some jellies, you it's quite creative filmmaking with it, um, but I do I really appreciate the realistic conditions of it. In that you know death can come at any time, so yeah, it's like daytime, nighttime, and you're gonna die. Um, that's all the killings happen during the daytime, and um, the ending of the movie is where Leatherface is in the like the sun is going down, and he's just waving his chainsaw around, but like you know one of the girls she gets away. Um, but it's just a very it's a very abrupt conclusion as well like mm. it's just suddenly ends so there's no real like the whole narrative is just quite abrupt in essence which I, I quite like the abruptness of it because the abruptness is sort of like reflects the subject matter in that death is quite abrupt yeah and there's a couple um, a couple like indie more drama movies tend to do that you know where there's no like deus ex machina there's no happy ending when it's sad it's sad and death is final there's a movie i can't think of the name of it lobster manchester policy no a ghost story can't remember the name have of you it. seen a ghost story what do i'd recommend watching if you're a fan of existentialism i'm just freaking out about your whole existence i'd recommend really watching there's a movie where when the when the character dies yeah yeah, cool. Of course. Okay. The character dies, the movie ends. And there's no happy ending. No resolution. It's just the end. And I remember watching it and I was like, fuck me. But I really liked it. I really enjoyed it. Because it was real. What was the name of it? I, I can't think of it. It's, it's off the top of my head. I can't think of it. Who's in it? I honestly can't remember. It's one of those, like, Fault in the Stars, Perks of Being the Wallflower type movies. Nobody died in the Perks of Being the Wallflower. Except his aunt. But she deserved to die. Mm. If you've seen the movie or read the book, you know why she deserves to die. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't. It's no, I'm not fantastic. It's like, oh, it's just the first time I watched that, I had no idea where the story was going. Because uh, the teacher put it on first in a fourth year. Or English teacher. Mm. And, um... Like I like you know we, she, I, I've never seen it before. She put it on in class and I fell in love with it. Um, that evening when I went home, I watched it after myself. Because right, and directed by Steven Jabinski. Yeah, who also wrote the novel. Um, and um, I just was a, I was like I need to watch the rest of this now. I can't wait until next class. I need to 
And then that ending just hit me like a truck. I didn't expect it Fuck at all. That, I know, yeah. It just came out of nowhere. I'm like, damn. Oh, God. What a movie. Um, hmm. oh, I love it so much. Um, it's in my top 50. Yeah, it is in my top 50. Um, I'm working on my 50, top 100 at the moment. I have the top 50. I'm just working on 51 to 100. Uh, um, I think I have 39 on the list so far. That list. Hmm. Uh, 39 on that list so far. Have you seen that poster of like the 100 movies to watch before you die? Yes. Do you have it? I don't own it, but I have a screenshot of it. Have you seen them all? I don't. I haven't like looked at that picture in like six months, so I can't exactly remember what all of them are. Fair. Now, if you don't mind, I'd like to touch on something briefly. When I was younger... I do mind. <laughs> when I was younger, I um, I was quite a fanatic. You had a toboggan. Um, no, okay. I don't believe so. So, yeah, okay. It wasn't snowy enough to have Let me guess, you liked Jaws. Uh, no, but did you know John is based on a, Jaws is based on a Andrew uh, Gibson play? And any other people? Look it up, it's actually... Based on a novel. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the, the, novel, the novel that Jaws is written, uh, the novel that Jaws is based off, is based off Enemy of the People uh, by Henry Gibson, which is also what Enemy of the State, the movie, is based off. Fun fact. So you were saying? I was quite a fanatic of really classic um, British and American horror movies. So... Um, you know, like Dracula, Frankenstein, The Mummy, King Kong, Werewolf of London, Bride of Frankenstein, The Invisible Man, the likes of them. Yeah. And now, what I didn't realize is that they were all done in pretty much the same year. So Dracula and Frankenstein were in 1931. Mm-hmm. The Mummy and King Kong were in 1932, and The Werewolf mm-hmm. of London was 1935. I don't have any information on... Bride of uh, Frankenstein, which is also Bride of Dracula, um, uh, or The Invisible Man, but I read, I imagine they're from the same time. But one of my all-time favorite horror movies, and I would say one of my all-time favorite movies, is the 1925, but there was also a 1927 re-release of The Phantom of the Opera. Would you really consider that horror? I would. I would. Because the, uh, the original, when it was, it was put into technicolor, Wait, no. I redact my earlier statement. My favorite horror movie is Let the Right One In. Keep going. When it was put into Technicolor uh, in 27, it was terrifying. Mm -hmm. And and the acting and the score, the score of that movie makes it so just chilling and and, and you're you're uneasy throughout the whole thing. Isn't that a musical? It, It is a musical, but um, it's just it's just a fantastic example of uh, maybe it's more of a thriller, psychological thriller than a horror. But I think Phantom it, of the Opera. <laughs> yeah, no. Have you seen the original? Um, I have I've seen DVD. pictures. I have, a, I have the DVD of it. I can give it to you if you want. I don't have an DVD player. <laughs> uh, it's it's fantastic. It's an absolutely fantastic film. It, it's one of my favorites. Um, that Nosferatu, um, and. Uh, the Invisible Man, which I don't have here, but it's a fantastic film as well. I should watch it. It's really, really good. Really, really good special effects for. Um, I think I watched it. For it's like just a blank screen. because <laughs> no, there's the bit where he takes off the bandages, and he just is invisible, and it's really cool. It's well, hence really, the name. 
You know, it's, it's, it's unreal how they did that back then, like in the 30s, to think that they were able to do that. It's, it's pretty, like, nuts, you know? I don't, like, I don't know how it's done, <laughs> but I think it's cool. Um, so they're, they're some of my favorite movies, and I think they, as a, as a whole, in the 30s, is when horror movies became the kind of franchise, the kind of, uh, they got the sort of adoration that they have now. They became a craze and a trend. I think that's really when it began as a kind of a mainstream media trend. Would you agree? I concur. Okay. Do you have any follow-up statements? Um, well, it's... I don't know. Yeah, sometimes you get... Like, you'll, you'll never get like a horror movie craze anymore like you have with superhero movies or mm. with westerns. Because uh, I just... I, I don't feel like people get like sick of it way quicker than the others. Um, I wish they got sick of superhero movies, to be honest. I know it's kind of blasphemy coming from me, but I'm just kind of tired of them at this point. Mm. I just like it's just an oversaturation of them in the market, and I'm like, no, I just like, like westerns have their time. And now, like, there's one western every like five to ten years. I'm like, they're great. Like, just do that superhero movies. Just stop. Give one every five to ten years. Be good. Like, I want more. Like, I feel like when you get, like, independent or, um, you know, like, um, filmmakers with, like, a, a really good creative vision, you get a really great horror movie and a really great superhero movie. No, like, like Scott Pilgrim. Exactly. Well, I wouldn't really consider that superhero. Yeah, it's based uh, off a comic book, but... It is a superhero um, movie. But, like, I wish I could write right to that, man. I wish so much. Um, but, like, no, like, Taika Waititi for Thor Ragnarok. Mm. Or, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, for, uh, Shane Black for Iron Man 3. Or, um... Kick-Ass. Um, no, who's the director of Kick-Ass? I cannot remember. Um, or what's his name for uh, Logan? Uh, he also directed The Wolverine, but he did a much better job at Logan. I cannot remember his name. Um, oh, wait. It's right there. It's right there. It's right there. Oh, no, it's... Um, I feel like a director is like that, like when it's instead of just like... A, or, or Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, volume 2 specifically. Volume 1 was good, but I felt a little more by the numbers than Volume 2 did. Volume mm. 2 just knocked it out of the park and gave mm. something completely different and wholly unique. Um... So I feel like with no with create with directors with like an interesting creative vision you can get something really fun and interesting with so the same with horror movies as well. Um, directors who have a specific vision and they go with that vision in full, um, which leads me on quite nicely to my next point, um, which is my favorite movie of two thousand eighteen and uh, one of my top one hundred favorite movies of all time, which is Hereditary. Directed by Ari Aster, who I actually originally thought was a woman. I don't know. I thought Ari Aster was a woman originally, because that's a guy. I'm going to record the next episode, because that kind of fucked up. didn't record properly. <laughs> um, so we conspiracy Fair enough. Um, but I originally thought Ari Aster was a woman, for some reason. I don't know why. It just sounded like a... Like, it just has that, like, mis- mysteriousness to what you think. Maybe I was hoping for too much as being a woman director. I don't know, there's not enough you know, female directors in Hollywood, which is unfortunate. Angelina Jolie is a fantastic female director. I've never seen anything she's directed, and I don't like her face. Um, or just her in general, I don't like her in general. With the impossible. Um, you know the one about the war hero? Yeah. Oh, don't tell me it's that one with the... No, no, I don't like that movie. Um, I'm excited to see Olivia Wilde's directorial debut, Booksmart. I'm seeing that on for, on Thursday. Um, I'm really excited for that. Um, 
That's going to be great. And her husband's in it, Jason Sudeikis, who was on SNL in the mid mid two thousands, the favorite era, until two thousand Anyway, um, Ari Aster, Hereditary. Um, it's I. I generally don't see horror movies in the cinema alone. That is, um, until rather recently, where I have no choice of to go alone. Um, Sadness. Very sad. I don't want to get into it because apparently I'm not allowed to get into it anymore. You can get into it. Um, no, I'm not going to get into it. No, I'm not going to. I'm not going to be that guy who goes on about sex time after time. Um, it's good. It's it's it's, it's um, healing. Healing, yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> you're not my therapist. Though. <laughs> <laughs> and and this podcast isn't therapy, so I'm not going to do it. Uh, anyway, um, Hereditary more than any other horror movie I've seen in the cinema, and I've seen four in the cinema. Um, I was genuinely on edge for the whole thing. I was sweating and so nervous. And just because, like, halfway, I'm going to spoil it. So anyone who hasn't watched it, go and watch it. Pause this. No, pause this first. Then go watch it. Then come back and listen to the rest of this. When Charlie gets decapitated, like, 30 minutes into the movie, I'm like, what? Because she was in all the marketing. There was no allusions to it. No one said anything about it. There was nothing, no even articles written before or anything, any theories or suspicions. Just out of nowhere, 30 minutes in, boom, she gets decapitated. I'm thinking, my God, this is a movie we're in for. Any movie that has the balls to kill a kid, it's already a pretty serious movie. Um, yeah. But I, I like it. It's... Like, it's really vulnerable when you're watching it as well. Because like, after that, once, like, Charlie dies, it's like anything can happen. I thought she was a really bad actor. Oh, she was barely in it. But I think the weirdness was meant to be. Yeah, I suppose. Like, she was possessed by a, a demon god. Yeah, the, the film... Like... <sighs> Everyone else, though, phenomenal actors. Yeah. Tony Collette, in particular, d- deserved an Oscar. And the fact they... I, I hate the Oscars anyway, but the fact they shunned her just made it even worse. I think... I think I found that film unsettling. Oh, incredible! It, it wasn't scary for me. It wasn't. Oh, unsettling is kind of scary, isn't it? it? It's like yeah, it's a type of fear. You know what I mean? It's it's. Oh, incredibly unnerving! I have it written down. <laughs> I I just I, like I was disturbed. It, you know, it, I know this might sound really strange, but actually, probably might fit into your notes. It, it made me feel. Similar to how some episodes of Spongebob made me feel. There were certain episodes of Spongebob that made me just... And my skin crawl. Like, um... Like the procrastination episode where you know, the, the house and the clock start screaming at him and all that? No, like the like the more as it gets into the later series. You know, the one where he has the splinter? I haven't seen anything past season three and I refuse to. Or the one where he's at the bus stop. Um, oh, I love that one so much. Rock bottom. Yeah. I was like, excuse me, how do you get to the bus? I'm so like, I can't do the thing. But, you know, yeah, that. Like, I don't understand your accent. How would you, you know, get to the, all that? That's a great episode. Oh, that one's so funny, though. Creepy shit out of me, though. Oh, yeah, it's creepy, but it's funny. Hereditary is very different to that. Um, <laughs> it's a really cold atmosphere, the whole movie. You know? Uh, it's, it's all quite like all the characters dressed in like, pretty like drab colors and stuff. It's just an, an overtone of death. Like like the movie opens with them like going to the grandmother's funeral. So it's that. Um, and then it's and then it's Charlie's funeral halfway not halfway, like thirty five minutes into the movie, it's her funeral. Oh no, but when but the whole thing happens and what's the kid's name? Um the, the son of Peter. When he just parks the car, gets out, just 
goes to bed, doesn't say anything. Yeah. And like the shot remains on him. And then it's only the next morning you only hear her screams, you don't see it. Mm. Oh, that's just so beautifully done. Good example of ambient um, sound. Um, exactly. See? Leon Conway's lessons coming in very handy. I like it. Um, I would say one of the moments in the film that I found most disturbing, besides the decapitation, was when Charlie gets the bird. Oh, and it cuts his head off? Yeah. It's foreshadowing. <laughs> when me. she gets her yeah. head I, 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 Yeah, I didn't realize it was foreshadowing. Fuck me. Never, 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 that never clicked. But that just fucking hell, that, like. I was a big fan of the dad, because he was the only one making sense. And I was like, oh, he's going to die, isn't he? He's going to make sense. It's an Irish actor. It's a maid now. <laughs> He's, what's his name? Um, it's not Gavin, is it? It's, uh, I think it's a second name, Gavin. Gabriel Byrne. Gabriel Byrne. Gabriel. Yeah, Gabriel Byrne. Late Late Show. <laughs> yeah, Gabriel Byrne from Late Late Show. That's his name. Fantastic performance. It's Gabriel Byrne is his name. No, I know. I'm making a joke. It's uh, funny. <laughs> yes, it was very funny. It made me to laugh. Ho, ho, ho. But, uh, I, I was really pissed off when he died. So I was hoping he survived. Burst into flames. I'm like, what? Because um, like, when it was getting towards the end, I like, could feel it getting towards the end. I was like, okay, he's still here. This is a good sign. This is a good sign. And boom, burst into flames. And I'm like, well, okay. There goes my favorite character. I was so disappointed with the dinner scene in that movie. Absolutely phenomenal. Like the best acted scene in that entire movie. I just thought for all three of them going off each other. Just superb. But, oh, hereditary. I, I, I've only seen it when I went to watch it again, though. Um, but I like. What's the name of the actor who played Peter? He was in Jumanji 2, the video game one. I don't know his name. Because um, I feel like something about his face was, even though, like, for the most of it, his face was very bland and very, like. He's good looking, though. He's very handsome, yeah. But it, it was so expressive without being expressive. I would. If you get oh, I would. <laughs> I think we both would, I think. <laughs> I think anyone would, anyone in their right mind would. But his face was like so expressive without like actually forcing it. You know what I mean? Like it, it, every everything that he, he put through felt so real. It felt and genuine. It felt genuine. I think that's what it felt added. raw. <laughs> Speaking of raw, Ryan. <laughs> um, I will say one more thing that I had to say before we move on to raw. Um, and it's. I like the opening, and then every so often throughout the film, you see like little miniatures. Yeah. Um, which gives a sense that everything, like when you after you watch the movie, and um, if you rewatch it, which I will do, you sort of do get the sense that everything they're doing is not every single action they're taking isn't in their hands. Mm. It's all being controlled by this like weird cult. So every single step that's being taken isn't in the like the actors. Yeah, they're like yeah, the characters are making them themselves, but they're obviously being pushed in a certain direction. Mm. Um. In order to get them to where they need to go, and like the opening with them, like dolls in the dollhouse, it was very Wes Anderson in the way that it was, like you know the way the way you could see the whole house, like yeah, that, and it was the like, room, it was the room, and then it was the actual room, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously a more sadistic and sinister Wes Anderson. Have you seen the thing SNL did Wes Anderson horror movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's quite funny. Um, no, but Hereditary is just, it's really, it's intense, it's emotional, it puts grief and death to the forefront. Yeah, there's a whole demon like uh, possession subplot thing, but the real tr- like horror of it is the tragedy of grief. Um, mm. But it's just such a raw um, experience, and like it's when you see it for the like 
it's one of those movies that you just have to see for the first time on the big screen to really get the full effect. I didn't see it for the first time on the big screen. Because <sighs> the thing is, it's like it's. I know you can leave, but you know anyone in the right mind would pay money to see it. Excuse me, even though it would make them uncomfortable, wouldn't be. But I have seen people leave the cinema before, like when I went to see uh, Holmes and Watson, uh, which I hated so much. Um, <laughs> four people left my theater. Mm-hmm. Um, Why would you go see that? Because I love Will Ferrell and John C. Riley so much. Yeah, I like them as actors, but like I didn't, I, I knew that film was going to be bad. I was worried because my rule with, with new comedy movies is if I laugh during the trailer, then I'll give it a chance. Mm. And I didn't for this, and I was like, maybe they're just not being wise with their marketing. Uh, but then I found as soon as like it started and it didn't say directed by Adam McKay, I was like, oh, this is going to be bad. Uh, and then it had two funny jokes. Though. It had two really funny jokes. Uh, one of them was when Watson came in like uh, to get everyone's attention. He shot up the courthouse. Like he just started shooting guns. He wasn't obviously intending to shoot people. But then when he shot all the go- like just all the all the fires and then uh, like after that like the go like Holmes and Watson go up the front of the courthouse and then all you see is dead bodies falling down. That was really funny. And the other one was um it was like a whole like um fantasy sequence with Sherlock and he imagined he had an ice cream parlor called Sherlock Scones. <laughs> no, Sherlock Holmes. Sorry, Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> that was really funny. Um, I, that got, that, that, I got a good laugh out of that. But the rest of the movie was just goddamn atrocious. I rate that um, as a joke. I rate that. Um, but our final horror movie we will discuss. Unless you want. Is there anything else you need? To no, no. I, I'm, I'm good. There's, uh, you know, just a few nights in my Quokito. Psycho. And, um... Godzilla. Yeah, the new Godzilla's coming out. I'm actually seeing that on Thursday as well. Oh, I'm excited. It has Charles Dance. I love Charles Dance. Yeah, in no. Game of Thrones. Have you seen Game of Thrones? No. No. You should. I, just, I keep trying to watch it. It's, it's kind of hard to get into it. Like, there's so much of it. It's kind of daunting almost. I get that, but once you get into the groove of it, you sort of get with it. Yeah. You know? You know, you go ahead. I have, I have questions for the end. But questions? Ooh, I do love questions. Ones you ask me, because... I'm the host and all that. No, but uh, Raw, I, I mentioned before, is directed by uh, which is wonderful. Uh, Julia uh, Ducournau, uh, she's French, because the movie is French, um, came out in 2016. It's one of the few movies I would consider a masterpiece. Hmm. Um, and now, when I say masterpiece, I mean a movie that tackles its central idea in a unique and engaging way. And I get an emotional response out of the movie. Hmm. That's what I consider a masterpiece. Hmm. Um, and this movie ticks all those boxes for me. Because um, this movie, for anyone who hasn't seen it, I recommend going out, watching it, then uh, pausing this first, going out, watching it, then coming back and listening to the rest of this. Mm-hmm. Because this movie is just in. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of a good word. Incredible, amazing, fantastic, horrific, disgusting. It's all those words. It's plenty of words. But words don't really do it justice. You just have to watch it yourself. Mm-hmm. So basically, it's about a girl who goes off to college, and like she's doing veterinary science or whatever. And like there's, like, there's a hazing ritual where they, they have to eat like rabbit hearts or rabbit liver, and like she does that, and then she gets a taste for meat, and then she turns into a cannibal. Basically, that's the that's the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and like it's like yeah, she's a cannibal in it, but it's like a really niche way of tackling. Growing up, it's like it's 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 a coming of age story essentially. I know we're I know I, I see the look you're giving me. It's incredibly weird. It's like how is a cannibal story coming of age? It is, um, because it's it sort of depicts like college age students as like wild animals. 
in a sense. No, not obviously not all of them are cannibals. She is, mm. but I'm saying the way they all act, it's quite vicious. Mm. Um, and when you say things while I'm chewing, I don't want to speak about them. Cool. Yeah, interesting. Like I think that you know hazing as well is quite an animalistic procedure. And they do that in the movie because they cover her and look at a paint, mm. and they throw a match out the window. God. It was like that film with uh, Nick Jonas. Camp Rock? <laughs> yeah. No, nah, I can't remember what's it called. Um, I'm not sure, but basically he's in a like fraternity, and uh, his brother is as well trying to get in the fraternity, and um, mm-hmm. he's a big high-end guy, and they go through the child, like how they torture them, how they haze them, and like they make this kid uh they like they run into his room and they duct tape his mouth and stuff and the yeah. kid has asthma and they just leave him like duct tape to a chair with his mouth duct taped over and because of the stress that he's been under through the hazing because of the pressure he's been putting on his heart he goes for a run later and has a heart attack because of the stuff and it's it's, it's, Does it's he a, die? yeah it's a true story he dies because of um the stress that hazing put on his his heart and his lungs and nick jones of the jonas brothers is in this yes Jonas Brothers, Nick Jonas. Yeah. Who was in the Disney Channel show Jonas Brothers. Yeah, he was also in Camp Rock 1 and, and 2. And he was also in Camp Rock 1 and 2. And 3. No, we don't speak no. <laughs> Camp Rock 1 and 2. It's, we don't speak of any thirds of most movies. Most, I say. Um, there's a few exceptions. Um, story. Spider-Man. Mm. Star Wars. Vengeance. Sith, and Return of the Jedi. They're my two favourites, actually. Um, Iron Man. No, but the thing is with Raw... Um, I'm say it's a coming of age story because it's like, like cannibalism. If you read, I really looked at it in like a really obscure way where it's like it's like how young people got capture and take personalities of other people to cope with their own independence. They try be a mishmash of other people to, to sort of create something an amalgamation mm. like a Frankenstein esque thing, except it's in the case of she's eating people, um, and it's like but the, then the thing spirals into an addiction. Um, and it just gets really out of hand and she just can't control it. Mm. Um, which is another thing that does happen in college life. It's just you now addictions can set in, like alcohol or drugs or whatever. Yeah, and like things just get quite vicious and like, really nasty. Actually, and uh, raw, if you will. But an, episode I, an episode I was thinking of doing actually is uh, was. College Life Extra. I know, I used to be this. We may do that sometimes. Yeah, I think, I think it's interesting because, <clears throat> you know, I've not seen the film, but in a way, it shows, in a kind of exaggerated sense from what you've described, how being different is wrong in college. Essentially. What are your questions? Uh, I have a couple. First, I would just like to touch two. on... Two. We've got two. <laughs> uh, I have three. With uh, some questions I had for you um, are, the first one is, which do you think is the is is more kind of pertinent do you think classic horror or modern horror is more like effective as horror where are you um making the delineation i would say classic from 1920 to 1960 and then modern from 80 like mid 70s to to now i go modern modern I don't know. I feel like Hitchcock sort of paved the way for what can be effective horror um, and what is a good horror. And then, like from the seventies, like mid seventies onwards, you have like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, stuff like that. You've got the Thing in the eighties, eighty two, 
Um, you've got just got like a plethora of Stephen King adaptations, which is a different episode we will get into. It's just based on just purely Stephen King adaptations. Hmm. We should really put that in. Um, but it's I feel modern does the um, the genre. Now the problem, the thing is, but it's like any genre. I I, I hate putting it's like a, I, I hate putting anything into a genre. I feel like genres are so restrictive and it just annoy me. Um, but if I have to, I will. Um, uh, but horror is quite diverse. It's, it's probably the most diverse genre in that there's so many subgenres of it. Um, like because you've got what do you have? You've got. Well, that's stuff. actually my next question. Right? Is, um... What do you think the best subgenre of horror is? I don't think there is a best. I think all like because there's action horror, slasher horror, this this gothic, there's sci-fi, there's comedy, there's animation, there's psychological, there's zombie, monster, paranormal, there's gore, there's torture porn. There's so many different types. I don't think it's fair to say which one is the best. They all there's movies in each category that are in their own right brilliant. Um, so I feel limiting it to just saying one is good, I feel careful there. Um, limiting it to just one being good is sort of unfair. Yeah. But like, I, I don't consider Hitchcock's stuff horror, it's more suspense thriller, psychological as well. So uh, like, I, don't, I don't feel bad about putting the 60s off. Um, although Rosemary's Baby wasn't the 60s, I love that movie. Um, what are your opinions on adaptation? You're right. Just kidding. Easy there, Deirdre. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. Goodness, kind of very good answers. Um, do you think Japanese horror inspired modern supernatural horror? I can count to you the amount of Japanese horror movies I've seen on one hat. Okay. And the answer is one, and that's The Ring, the original Japanese version of The Ring. Yeah, so that's all I've seen. With the, ring, with the ring, with I've God's... seen more Japanese movies, but in terms of just horror, with the ring, with Godzilla, you know, they're there. Oh, Godzilla counts. Second count. It, it, it's supernatural. So yeah, I've seen two. Yeah, sorry, so, three. I've seen the, uh, the the first Godzilla one, and then the one with Mothra. And do, do, like you, Mothra. Do, you, do you think that like because early Japanese horror was more based around the supernatural uh, and the, the kind of surreal? Uh, do you think that it inspired? A modern supernatural horror. Sure. <laughs> I I don't really have. That's an off-topic question. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, my my closing question is quite a broad one, and it is a oh broad. Where do you think, if it does, horror fit in society? Where does horror fit in society? Yeah. Um, well, where does any media fit into society? Well, I suppose it's... No, that's a rhetorical question. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Back not, to you. I'm not looking for a response. It was a rhetorical question. Um, a rhetorical question in order, in order for me to um, expand on my point. Uh, it's a... It's public speaking technique. Uh, and there's one thing I'm good at. It's public speaking. Um... Well, where does any media fit into the um, society? Is that your word? Mm. Oh, I hate that word. Um, we live in a society. Don't get me started on that. Um, well, I think each. I. I'm just trying to think about this. Um, well, you see. 
And that's why I think our... <laughs> <laughs> no, um... I'm gonna... Well, let me, I'll give you some No, I, 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 I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. Like any movie, it's there in order to elicit a response, hmm. a reaction. Like that's what all art is. Art is an elicitation of elicitation. That's what word. Yeah. Art is an elicitation. Um, a, 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 it's an invitation to elicit a reaction. That's what all art is in a sense. Like you see a good painting, it's like if a painter paints it, so of course someone can get something out of it. Like a filmmaker creates a film, someone creates a TV show. You write a book, all because you want someone to get something out of it. There's some people just do it for monetary value. Um, those people sometimes get fired. Those people sometimes deservingly shouldn't get fired. It's uh, like, well, yeah, yeah, I get, understand uh, monetary value. It's important and all that, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. Um, that's not why I want to get into filmmaking and all that. I want to get into it because I think I'd be good at it and it'd be fun. And I, I have a vision for the world and I want to get that vision out and uh, share it with people. Because, like, it's like, like, there's, there's every, like, out of every movie that's ever been made, no matter how good or bad, like, they're all going to mean something to someone in some different way, mm. you know? So it's like it's like Little Miss Sunshine. That could mean something to, like, only one person. Now, obviously, I, I know a few people that I've missed quite a lot of. But it's like, with horror movies, you know? Like, you can get some horror movies that mean, like, it's with Raw, for me, like, mean something to me um, with the message it's trying to go for. Um, and it's just... I think I'm, I'm keeping it quite broad here because I'm thinking on the spot... Uh, and uh, yeah, often called the Lord of Improvisation by Alex. Thankfully enough, it was quite a quite a nice title to be given. Uh, added to my list of titles, like Daenerys, Game of Thrones, basically now all my titles. Um, but um, to, uh, to to keep this quite broad and to finish up, um, because this episode has run longer than anticipated. Um, yeah, but there's like a ten minute segment we need to edit out there. Oh, perfect. Um, basically, I think keeping it very broad. Horror, like all movies, elicits a certain reaction. Whether you want to feel the rush of being afraid, that adrenaline surge, hmm. I used to love getting when I used to watch like like uh, Ghost Adventures at the age of thirteen. But can I ask um, you a question? Just uh, you know, on another that, question. Yeah, on, on that, okay. I don't know. Do you think that it serves a therapeutic purpose, in the sense that it can express our subconscious desires to see the macabre in life? You know the the, the things that we shouldn't want but we do the things that we you know shouldn't think about shouldn't feel but we all have that subconscious that little voice in the back of our head that wants what, to like see American this. Beauty <laughs> <laughs> a bit like American Beauty um, what do you think do you think it acts as a, as a therapeutic kind of what's the word um, catharsis yeah catharsis yeah sure yeah and that's been today's episode <laughs> <laughs> Um, join us next week when our topic will be conspiracy theories. Ooh, ooky spooky. I owe you 60 euro. I'll never say that again. For the ending, you're starting like creepy music. Okay. Uh, but this has been the podcast. I'm your co host, Ryan. Uh, I am your host, Brendan. Ryan is a very firm co host. Host. I am a host. You are a co host. I have, I have been through this before. What am I? You are. Four very important things. Yeah. You are my host. You are the editor. Yes. The producer. Hmm. And just the all-round tech guy. Right. You are indispensable. And your efforts have been noted by the host. 
Me? I feel and you're I, getting a promotion. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I feel like I feel like we're both equal parts host. I'll take host well, test if I need to. Um, you could be my vice host. <laughs> <laughs> Assistant to the host. Assist, yeah. Uh, um, Second in command to the host. Assistant, assistant host, yeah, I like that. Assistant. Ah, co-host, fine. I'll take co-host. I'll fucking take co-host, right? And that's I do, today's, that's I do more work than you, Ryan. I do more work than you. In terms of non-research work, yeah. Marketing, <laughs> setting up the business aspect of the podcast. <laughs> this is a hobby for me. I, I don't want this to be like a serious thing. Yeah, it could be a serious thing, couldn't it? If it ends up being a serious thing, I'll be pleasantly surprised. Okay. Um. But anyway, this has been this week's episode. Uh, thank you very much for listening, and uh, be sure to tune in next week when we talk about conspiracy theories. And if you're driving, I hope you get home safe, whoever you are and wherever you are. Um, for me, goodbye. And from Ryan, goodbye. <laughs>